as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Open God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, My adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 42. Psalm 42 this morning. We're studying a different psalm uh, each week as we gather together this summer through the end of July, first part of August, and uh, studying that and then encouraging you to study it on your own throughout the week and, and pray through it. And even memorize it. This week, we, last week we had Psalm 127, and I, I threw out a challenge for you. 
to see who could memorize Psalm 127. Anybody take the challenge? Don't worry, I'm not going to make you get up and say it if you did. Anybody get it memorized this week? You want to try it with me, see how far we can get? I, I think I got it. I had it the other day, but I didn't have it the day before that. And then I had it the day before that. It kind of comes and goes. You have that experience? So, so let's, uh, let's try it. It starts like this, Psalm 127. Unless, right, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. I skipped a line, didn't I? I did. Like, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he stands with his enemies in the gate. All right. Good work. Good job. Give yourself a pat on the back. If you didn't get it, if you got part of it, good work. That's good for us to, to, to be studying God's word, to be memorizing it together, uh, to give the Holy Spirit a well from which he can draw from within our souls for those times where we don't have access to a copy of God's word. Or you find yourself, as you're going to see this week, uh, like the psalmist, maybe just pretty down and in a hard time in life. And maybe even in a time where you don't have the energy or the motivation even to open God's word. If you've memorized it and put it in your heart, the Holy Spirit has this way of calling things back up to your mind at just the time you need them. So give him a good bank full of things to work with, all right? Let's keep memorizing God's word and studying it together. And this morning we're in Psalm 42. And we've heard the psalm read already, so let me pray, and then we'll dive into it and unpack it together. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us through him. Um, Lord, I pray for our church, uh, even from the psalm we just quoted, Jesus, that you would be the one who would build your church here, knowing that, that all of my effort, all of the efforts of everyone else who serves and gives, uh, Jesus, unless you build your church, we work in vain. And uh, so I pray you'd continue to do that. And I pray you might even do it this morning uh, through the teaching of your word. Um, Holy Spirit, thanks that you uh, forgive me because of Jesus and choose to use me. I pray that you'd speak to and through me as I teach, even teach my soul again. And uh, I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Lord, he would um, often bring to mind our guilt. He would accuse us. He would tempt us. He would... Uh, do what he can to keep us from putting Jesus, our hope in you. So this morning, uh, Holy Spirit, instead, would you work in our hearts and change us and uh, give us hope, direct our eyes toward Jesus. I pray all this through him. Amen. Psalm 42. Well, if you have Psalm 42 open, you might notice something right above Psalm 42. Does it say book two in anybody's Bible? Uh, the way the Psalms are composed is it's a collection of these songs. And really there's five books that are put together in one book called the book of Psalms. And this is part two, basically, of all the Psalms. And that includes Psalm 42 through 72. 
And a lot of these come from different sources. Some are from David. Some of them are written by David. There's one written by Solomon, Psalm 72. Asaph wrote one, Psalm 50. He's the founder of a temple group. And another temple group, the Sons of Korah, uh, instrumentalists, musicians in the temple, wrote this one. And all the way, 42 through 49, they wrote all of those. And you'll notice right away at the beginning that you... If you've ever taken any music class or, or played anything, you open up the sheet music, and a lot of times there's these words on the top, some directions, you know, like how fast to play it and, and what you should do here and what order and with, with uh, you know, with what sort of intensity and all that sort of stuff. And that's, that's kind of what you see at the beginning of the Psalms. In Psalm 42, it says, to the choir master, to the choir master, the guy who's going to lead him. And then it labels what it is, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Nobody really knows for sure what mascal means. It's probably some musical term, but just explaining. This is a song by the sons of Korah, who were temple musicians. And look what they write. They start out in verse 1, and they write, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. The the psalmist, what we're going to see this morning is... He's in a pretty dark place. He's in a pretty dark place. He's very down. He finds himself removed from the temple. He finds himself um, questioning why did God allow these things to happen. He, He feels so apart from God. Some believe that maybe this is telling the story of David after his son Absalom uh, deserted him. We we don't know that for sure, but that's a possibility. But in any case, as they write this, uh, the psalmist is in a bad spot. And what he's saying right away at the beginning is, um, my soul thirsts for God. Like the deer pants for streams of living water, for flowing streams. That's, that's like the pit of emptiness I feel in my chest. Do you ever get really thirsty? You ever get really thirsty? Like you go, it's just dry and, and you, maybe you've been working out or doing something in the yard, whatever. And, and you're just, you're, like you're parched. You just want something to quench your thirst. He's saying like that feeling is how his soul feels for God and without God. And some of you don't even realize this, but what what I want to point out to you right away this morning is that every thirst that you have in your life, ultimately, the psalmist recognizes it, thankfully, but do you? Every thirst in your life is ultimately a thirst for God. Everything you desire, ah, if I just had some more money, then I'd be comfortable. You know what that is? That's a thirst for God's provision to give you contentment. <laughs> uh, if I, I just had uh, somebody to love or to love me, you know, that, that's a, ultimately, if you boil it all the way back down, that's a thirst for God's love in your heart and in your soul. And what happens is every desire of your heart, every wish, every, everything you feel deep down ultimately It's a reflection of of your desire and your thirst for God. The question is, how do you fulfill that desire? Because many of those desires are not wrong. It's not wrong for you to want to be loved. You were made that way. It's not wrong for you uh, to desire to have contentment and security. God designed you in a way that you're dependent on him for security. That you're weak. I'm weak. We need some help. The question is, where do you find those things? Because I don't know about you, but when I'm really thirsty, uh, the wrong thing to drink when I'm really thirsty is like a can of Diet Coke. Because what happens? I get more thirsty. I get more thirsty. 
I'm drinking the wrong thing. That's not the thing that's going to quench my thirst and, and fill me. And when you face those desires and those wants in your life, the wrong thing to drink is, is so many other things. It's like climbing the ladder at work. That's the wrong thing to drink. Is it wrong for you to aspire to have a better job and, and maybe make more? No, it's not wrong. But it's wrong if that's the way you're trying to quench your desire for satisfaction and contentment in your soul. You're going to end up more thirsty when you get there. You're going to down the whole can of Diet Coke and you're going to be more thirsty than when you started. You're longing for contentment and to be loved and to be cherished. Uh, Looking at pornography on the internet is not going to help you with that. It's going to leave you more empty than you ever were before. The desire is legitimate, but how do you fill it? How do you fill it? Do you fill it with what God says will quench your thirst? And ultimately, the psalmist points us to the fact that all of those longings are for God. He he says, I'm like a deer panting for flowing streams of life-giving water. God, I thirst for you. Charles Spurgeon preached on this text uh, 150-some years ago. And, and he says it like this. Um, the, the psalmist it, it was heartsick. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. He says, like a parched traveler in the wilderness whose skin bottle is empty. So his water bottle is empty. Who finds the wells dry. He has to drink or die. And he must have his God or he will faint. His soul, his very self, his deepest life was insatiable for a sense of the divine presence Give him his God and he's content as the poor deer, which at length shakes its thirst and is perfectly happy. But deny him his Lord and his heart heaves. He palpitates. His whole frame is convulsed like one who gasps for breath or pants with long running. Dear friend, do you know what this is by personally having felt the same? It's a sweet bitterness. See, the next, he goes on to say that this is a good thing, that you find yourself thirsting and longing for God. He says, the next best thing to living in the light of the Lord's love is to be unhappy until you have it. To pant hourly after it, hourly. So when you drink the wrong thing and it leaves you more thirsty, you know what that is? That's a blessing from God. Yet oftentimes we drink the wrong thing and we go, God, you still haven't satisfied my soul. Why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just... The problem is you've been drinking the wrong thing and God leaving you thirsty is really a blessing because the next best thing to having your heart filled uh, with thirsting for God and being fulfilled in Jesus is to be thirsting for him so that that's where you would look. He would, he would rather leave you empty than let you find your satisfaction in something other than him. Recognize every thirst of your soul is ultimately for God. It is. He says in verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? The psalmist, when he talks about come and appear before him, what he's likely talking about is going to worship together with God's people in the temple. He's found himself isolated, alone. We're going to see later he describes the place where he's at, which was far away from Jerusalem, far to the north. And, And he's wanting to come and worship with God's people. You know, it's important for us to get together and worship. You know, one of the things that will satisfy some of those thirsts in your heart is when you make it a priority uh, to be here and to worship with God's people or to be in a small group and worship with God's people and study his word. 
the, the psalmist said it this way, right? I, when shall I come appear before God? Well, he's talking about when am I going to get together with the people who love God and worship him with them? When am I going to get together with the people in my small group so that we can have fellowship and friendship again and worship God together? That's what he's talking about. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Paul says in Corinthians, he says in Corinthians chapter three, he talks about, don't you know your body is a temple? And at one point, he does this twice. The second time he's talking about it in terms of, of sexual morality and kind of us as individuals. But this first time, you know what he's saying? When it says your body, it's a plural, your. Your as in all of you, the body, the church. Don't you know our body? It's a plural, your, singular body. That means the body of the church is a temple. That the Holy Spirit shows up when we gather together in a unique way to sit under his word and to worship. You're made in the image of God. Did you know that? You're the only thing in all creation made in his image. And God's desire for you is to image him, to reflect him like a mirror. But did you know there's one aspect of imaging God that you cannot do by yourself? What is God? He's Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So he's constantly in fellowship with himself. He's in friendship with himself. You cannot image the Trinity unless you get together with other people. Do you ever think about that? You can't completely fully image God unless you gather together with his people. So people who say, oh, I can just stay home and, and worship. I don't need the church. You know, I just do it on my own. Man, you are robbing yourself of the blessing of God and of being able to image him the way you're designed to. And the psalmist longs for that because he knows that that's fulfilling because that's how God designed him. But look, he's still kind of in the dumps. He's expressing where he's at in his anguish. Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Where is your God? You ever have those days, those weeks, those nights, maybe those months, those years, where your tears are your food day and night? Now, is, is the psalmist literally saying, like, I'm taking a bottle and I'm, I'm soaking up my tears and I'm drinking that for supper? No. He's using metaphor, right? He's using an image. And he's saying, man, I'm, I've been so down. Life is so hard right now. I, I, I can't lift my head. I cry all the time. My soul hurts. My tears have been my food day and night. And they say to me, and it's unsure, is he referring to his tears right here or is he referring to his enemies? But they say to me, where is your God? You ever find yourself in that spot where you're, you're just down and you're so down that you start to blame God for it? Where, where are you? God, don't you see what's happened to me this week? Don't, don't you see the way I hurt? I was at church this week. I, I, was, I went to my small group, but, but life sucks right now. Where are you? You ever find yourself in that spot? Well, the first thing, the way up when you're down is to recognize that that thirst is ultimately a desire for God. But the second thing that we see from the psalmist here 
is you need to to be honest with God and, and pour out your heart to him. You need to be honest about where you're at and how you're feeling. Does that sound like honesty to you from the psalmist? My tears have been my food day and night. You, you don't say that unless you've really had a long week. <laughs> I mean, you don't express it that way unless life is really tough. He's honest with God about where he's at. And you, you need to be honest about how you're really doing. And there's two places to be honest. First, you need to be honest with God. He loves you. Did you know that? He absolutely loves you. Now, those of you who are parents, do you love your kids? If they were down and they came to you and they just railed about everything they were down about, would you love them any less? Would you listen to them? Would you hear them out? Listen, your heavenly father is so much better a parent than you will ever be. And he loves you so much more than you love your own kids. He will hear you out. Be honest with him. Go to him with your struggle. Pour your heart out to him. Be vulnerable. He already knows. Lay it out before him. But second, I would encourage you not only to be honest with him, but to be honest with other people in your small group. Let them know really how you're doing. Now, granted, you have to be careful about how you do this. You have to, it has to be people you trust, right? Because that can be a scary thing to be vulnerable in a setting where there isn't trust and love for you. But over time, be honest. Lay it out so that they can carry that burden with you. He lays it out before God. So be honest with God. Be honest with your friends. Look at verse 4. He goes on then. And now here's what the psalmist does. is He's poured everything out in these first couple verses of really where he's at, how he's doing, how he's feeling, the anguish of his soul. And now he takes time to remember what he knows to be true about God. So this is how I feel. This is the way it feels. This is how it's going for me right now. But I remember this about God. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng. Again, he's thinking back to his time of worship with all of God's people to appear before God. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of, of praise. A multitude keeping festival. See, after you pour out your heart to God, you need to take some time then to start remembering the goodness of God in your life. Because there is good things in your life. Let me ask you, what's, what's been good in your life that's a gift from the Lord? Did you have breakfast this morning? There's one. I gave you one. You can write it down. There's one, right? Turn your eyes to God's blessings, to his goodness to you. These things I remember, the psalmist says, as I pour out my soul. I remember going with all the people to worship. Some of you have been part of our church for a long time. And you think back on the history of our church, if that's you, do you remember some, you know, you know, this fall, our church is going to be 30 years old. Isn't that cool? 30 years of God's faithfulness. And there's been ups and downs, right? But when you think back of the good times, you think back 30 years. I just want to talk to some of you who've been here a long time. Do you remember coming with the throng to build the fellowship hall? And you came with joyful procession and you pulled up and there was coffee and there was, maybe you helped make food. Maybe you pounded some nails 
And it was just joy, wasn't it? Or maybe a few years later after that, then when the church kept growing, and even after it was built, like there was still no room for everybody. So classrooms were brought in, portable classrooms outside. And then they built this room and that end. And again, here we go again. Everybody comes back. Everybody's coming joyfully to work and to serve and to love the Lord. Do you remember those times? The psalmist says here, I, re- I remember those times with the Lord and with his people. Maybe it's other times you remember, though, with, with your small group or whatever else. And, and the psalmist says, they say to me, though, as I go, where is your God? Where's your God? Did people ever look at you and go, what are you doing when you're building this place? You're crazy. Why are you going to serve him? You're crazy. You're getting a little too into this whole church thing. What are you thinking? Where, huh? But this group continued to build and to build. And even in the, even in the, the things where, where people, maybe older generations might have looked and said, that'll never work, that's foolish. No way. People kept going, right? Serving the Lord, keeping our eyes on him. And I could go on with a whole bunch of different things, but I just I bring that up because I want you to recognize that our church is in a unique place right now. We've, we've seen a lot of, of blessing over the last few years. And I feel like our church, for those of you who are members who are regular attenders here, talk to you for a second. Our, our church, I've described it to some people this week. I think we're, we've kind of pushed this big rock up to the top of this hill. And here's what's going to happen. The rock is either going to stay there and it's going to be a monument where everybody 10 years down the road goes, remember how good that time was? Or with God's help, if he would build his church, he's going to use us to push it down the hill and it's going to roll into a movement. Are you ready for that? It starts by studying God's word, getting it in your mind, but looking back, remembering what he's done and remembering he can do the same thing in the future. And this fall, I keep bringing it up every week, the last month, but this fall we're going to share some plans with you in terms of our facility and uh, we're going to share some plans in terms of uh, the opportunity to, to really go on a journey together spiritually and see what the Lord would do. And it's going to be up to each of us individually. Are, are we going to jump on the rock and let it tumble down the hill and let God create a movement out of this place? Or will we look back and go, it was a movement, but now it's just a monument to what God used to do. Let's keep our eyes on him. And it starts by heeding this psalm. Because look at what he says. He says, why are you cast down, verse 5, O my soul? Why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, the third thing there that you need to recognize is um, to turn your eyes on Jesus. Be honest with God, be honest with your friends, but then turn your eyes on Jesus and trust him. And that's when things happen in your life. That's when uh, you get restored. Turn your eyes on God, hope in God. After reviewing in his mind all that God had done in the past, he asks himself a question. He's like, why are you so down? You ever have those down times again, I'll ask you? And you get to a certain point and you go, little clarity strikes you. Why am I so down? Look in the mirror. Why why are you so down, Josh? Put your hope in God. For you will again praise him. 
Even if you're down the rest of your life, you know what? There's coming a time if you've trusted Jesus where he's going to pull you out and you're going to praise him forever. And eternity is like, like this life, even if you live to be 100, is like nothing compared to that time in eternity. So why are you so down? You'll again praise him. But I want you to I want you to notice what the psalmist doesn't do is he doesn't look back at what he's going through and say, that's really not a big deal. He doesn't say that didn't really hurt. He doesn't say, uh, that's just a small thing. No, he, he just, he turns his sights to the Lord. How about you? When you find yourself down and you find yourself in those spots, be honest about it. Don't negate how you're feeling. Don't negate that that's a really, really hard thing. And I don't either. It is really hard. But replace it with something better, which is hoping in God. When you have a spouse that's struggling, the last thing, guys, I'm looking at you mostly, the last thing you want to tell your wife is, oh, come on, get over it. Throw some dirt on it. Bad plan. Right? No. Peter says that you're to love her and live with her in an understanding way. Remember Peter, the guy who always spoke before he thought? My guess is he learned that lesson by experience. <laughs> Don't make light about somebody's feeling. If they're hurting, they're hurting, and it's for a reason. But what you need to do is, is help them get their eyes off of them and onto Jesus. And what you need to do for yourself is help yourself get your eyes off of yourself and your situation and on to Jesus. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, there's a pattern here in Psalm 42 that we've been through the first part of it already. And really, Psalm 42 and 43, many Hebrew manuscripts actually have them together as one psalm. Because if you notice, if you've got your Bible open, if you look at the beginning of verse 40 of chapter 43, there's no heading there, is there, that says like uh, a song of the, the sons of Korah or anything. It just goes right into it. Many people think these two are together. And look at verse 5 of, of 43. Do you recognize that verse? We just said it, right? Hope, why so downcast, oh my soul? Why, why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And I think probably Psalm 42 and 43 are one psalm that at some point got divided into two. And they follow this pattern. Every, every five, six verses, it follows this pattern. Three times it does it. It starts out like this. It starts out with anguish. And you see that in verse 1 and 2 in this psalm, and in, 40, and in 6 and 7 again, and then in 43, 1 and 2. And it's the anguish of the now. And the psalmist is just laying out, here's how I feel right now. Here's what's going on. I, I hurt. This is awful. But then he goes into this time of remembrance, of remembering what God has done, remembering God's grace. This is what's going on, but I remember God's grace. And so he starts to turn his mind from himself and his situation right now to God's grace in the past. And by remembering God's grace in the past, he can have hope for the future. And so what he does then, he, he, he expresses his anguish, he remembers the past, and then he preaches to himself. Hey, sometimes you need to preach to yourself. Sometimes I have to go and listen to what I said on a Sunday morning. You have to preach to yourself. You have to remind yourself of what's true in God's word. You need to remember God's grace. And then you need to say, why are you so down? He's preaching to himself. Why are you so down, O oh my soul? 
Why are you at turmoil within me? Put your hope in God. You will again praise him, your salvation and your God. And this pattern repeats itself three times. And each time, by the way, the anguish gets worse. (laughs) Each time the anguish gets worse. First, it starts out in this first one. I can't get to God. My soul thirsts for him. And now what we're going to see here in six and seven, he says, oh, God's forgotten me. And then he gets in in, uh, Psalm 43, he says, God's abandoned me. It gets worse, but every time he pulls himself out of the cycle by remembering the past and preaching to his heart to hope in God. Look at verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon. Here's the process repeating. He's like, here's where I'm at. I'm a long ways from your people, from Mount Mazar. It's up up to the north. We're not for sure where Mount Mazar is. But in any case, look what he does in verse 7. Then he expresses his anguish, and then he remembers what God has done. He turns his heart to God. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. He again expresses his anguish. But do you notice something unique here? What does he do? Who does he attribute his anguish to? He attributes it to God. Does that make sense? I mean, God, why'd you, why'd you let this happen? Some people have a really hard time with this. See, at first sight, when we realize that, that God's in control of everything, and ultimately, he doesn't create evil, but he allows it. And even the bad things that happen in your life, that he allows those, that's a pretty frightening doctrine. To think that God has allowed these horrible things to happen to me. Isn't it? Does that cause some turmoil in your soul? You know what's more frightening? A God who's not in control of anything that happens to you. I'm thankful that God's in control of the bad things that happen in my life. Because if he wasn't, that means he's not in any place to rescue me from it. He's in control of everything. And that's part of what the psalmist is expressing here. Your breakers, your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And now he remembers again. He remembers. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I like that line. At night, his song is with me. Being a dad now, it reminds me of being with Charlie, right? And, and sometimes the only thing that will console him is if you just kind of hum a little tune in his ear as you're bouncing him. You just kind of, you just sing over him. And then what happens when you stop? And nothing in particular, just singing, calming his heart. Notice that as he remembers what God has done, he remembers the Lord commands his steadfast love. His night, at night, his song is with me. That's a comforting thing. To the heart of the psalmist. It's a prayer to the God of my life. Hearing the voice of your father singing over you brings calm. Another reason to memorize his word. So that the Holy Spirit would bring it to mind. Look at verse 9. Again, he's pouring his heart out. I say to, my, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? 
As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He pours out his soul, his hurts, that's good. And then he gets to the end, verse 11, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He comes full circle again, hope in God. I'll again praise him, my salvation and my God. He goes right back to reminding himself of what is true and preaching to his soul. As we close, I just want to say a couple things. Um, I I shared this a few weeks ago, but in in my life, there's been times where where if I'm just vulnerable and honest with you, um, I've, I've had some deep bouts of depression at different times in my life. Sometimes from situations, sometimes just I just have. And I find my head stuck in the sand and feeling sorry for myself and all that nonsense, right? And I have to preach to myself to get out of it. There's been some times where, uh, when I was in college anyway, where the Lord helped me through some medication and that may be a help to you. But there's still work to do where you got to preach to your soul and pull yourself out. Well, not pull yourself out, but trust God to pull you out. Turn your eyes on him. And and so as we close, I just want to leave you with this. If you're down, it's okay to be down. It is. It's okay. And not only that, it's okay for you to pour your heart out to God and to be honest with him and to be honest with others about what's really going on and how you're feeling. It's okay. The thing that's not okay, though, is for you to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to just uh, wallow in the mud. And... My grandma, when we would pout when I was a little kid, nobody likes me, everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms, right? I mean, your lip was out. First one, a juicy one. Second one, a slimy one. Third one went right down. You heard that. It's not okay to stay there. It's not. Be honest in your anguish. Pour your heart out to God, but then get your eyes, Josh, get your eyes off yourself. And preach to yourself. Hope in God. Hope in God. Why are you so downcast? Why in turmoil? Put your hope in God, for you will again praise him, your salvation and your God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. We'll take our offering. We'll sing. Uh, Then we're going to pray for our students before they head out next week, and we'll call it a morning. Father, thanks for Jesus. Um, Thank you for him, Lord. Uh, I pray this morning uh, for myself and for each of us, Father, when we find ourselves in those spots of um, maybe something hard has happened in life and uh, we've just kind of faced your breakers and deep calls to deep and we find ourselves being crushed by the things of life. Or, or maybe it's a, a result of some of our choices and we've, we've made foolish choices and so now we find ourselves um, stuck in the muck because of, of what we've chosen to do in our life. And sometimes there, there really isn't anything we can put our finger on. We just find ourselves down in the dumps. Lord, help us to be honest about those times with you and with others. But please don't let us stay there. Give us the courage to turn our eyes off of ourselves and onto Jesus. To remember your goodness, to remember your grace to us in the past, knowing that there's more to come in the future. And then give us the courage to preach to our own hearts.
to ask ourselves, why are we so down? Why at turmoil? Put our hope in God. Help us hope in Jesus. And Father, finally, I pray for those who've never put their trust in you, who never, Jesus, put their hope in you. I pray today might be the day. Maybe they're down this week. They've had a hard month, a hard year. Would you help them recognize that ultimately all of that thirst, Jesus, is for you? That just like a deer pants for living streams, ultimately their soul is panting, Jesus, for you. Help them find that, the source of living water. Um, Might today be the day they repent of their sin and turn from their way of life, Jesus, to you. Thanks, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.